I'm so honored to be here today teaching you guys and being, spending some time with you guys. Can I just tell you how proud I am of you from last night? Like, that was a proud mama moment, like watching you guys at the altar and seeing you guys dig into the word. I believe that that word that Creflo preached, how many of you were there last night, all of you? I hope, I hope. I believe that word that he spoke was for us. You know, he's like, this is, this is not so deep, and I may be not deep enough for some of you, and I'm going, this is right where we're at right here. And so I just know, thank you for pulling on that and coming and pulling from the word. You guys shined so great, and I'm so excited to be able to back that up today and, and minister to you guys. Would you guys join me in prayer and believing that this is going to be the word from the Lord for some of us, what we've been asking of him and things, answers to things that we need, that we've been questioning? Would you be in agreement with me today about that? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just come to you right now. We're so grateful. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for your presence here. Father, we know that you are the answer giver. Anything that we have questions about, you always answer. And I thank you, Lord, that you're answering the heart cry of a generation today. Lord, there's a question out there. There's a desire to know you like never before. There's, there's a desire to see things more clearly. There's a desire to not serve you through religion and through duty, but to have a real, intimate, living relationship with Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that today we will find you. We will find you as we seek you together. We will find you. And if you're in agreement with that, I ask you to say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I just got back from Indonesia. I was in Indonesia for two and a half weeks. And uh, yeah, all right. Have you guys been to Indonesia? No? Uh, well, Indonesia is my second country. I've got a lot of family over there, spiritual family over there. It's, um, it's my favorite place to be. I've been traveling there for the last 10 years. And um, we went into schools. We had like 18-hour days. Um, I th hopefully, we, I think we have a mission session, don't we, later on this week? Do we have a mission session? Yeah, and I think Meredith will be telling you guys some things about our trip, so it's going to be really exciting. You don't want to miss that. But um, we had like 18-hour days. We were going in and out of schools. It was the most exciting thing. And what's so awesome about over there is um, we got an opportunity. And they, they say it's like a Christian school, okay? Um, I don't know if you guys go to Christian school, and your, your Christian school has quotations on the Christian school. You don't have to raise your hand. But anyways, that's how it is over there. And Christian can mean anything. It just basically means that you get a higher education. Um, than really a lot of the poverty-stricken areas. And so we got to go into these schools, and right next to the schools there, uh, when we were having chapel, they were having um, mosque at the same time. They were having prayer time at the mosque at this very same time. So, like, as we're, like, praying and singing worship, the prayers of the Muslims are going on right next to us. And it was just the most amazing experience to fight that darkness. It was just so, so cool. So we did that day in and day out, multiple, multiple schools a day, sometimes five schools a day. Hey, really quick, did you guys know about the Bethlehem Star? Did anybody raise your hand if you knew what was going on last night? If you didn't, can I tell you, last night, I don't know a super lot about it, but last night, from last night until July 4th, I believe, um, is it Saturn and Venus? Is that right? Hang on, I have it on my phone. Jupiter and Venus. Or Jupiter and Saturn. Jupiter and Venus aligned together for the first time since the Bethlehem star when Jesus was born. How cool is that? 
And here we are all week talking about Jesus is coming soon. And the, the whole sky aligned last night like the same way it aligned when Jesus was born or came the first time. Isn't that cool? I don't know about you, but that got me excited. I'm not suggesting this to anybody, but late last night, maybe even past midnight, some of our crew went searching for the Bethlehem star. And we were trying to, out, we were trying to walk out so far because all the all the high rises we couldn't see and it was a little cloudy. So uh, do you guys have um, that app on your phone where you can, the astronomy app where you can like look and see? Does anybody have that? It's super, super cool. And so like we're following my phone, like looking for it. And I, and I see it on my phone and they're like on top of each other. It's like the coolest thing. And we're like trying to find it, but we can't see it. And like right where it says that it is, is this giant building. We're like, oh, that's great. So we just keep walking and walking. We never ended up seeing it. I think it was too cloudy, but hopefully we'll be able to see it tonight or tomorrow night. But it's important that you guys understand this kind of stuff. This isn't where I'm going, but it's important that you understand these kind of things and you become a student of what God is doing in these last days. If you don't know anybody, well, if you go to EMIC, then you're a perfect candidate to understand and get knowledge about what is going on because your pastors teach you very well. But uh, my spiritual grandmother, uh, I call her Mimi Brim, she she has taught me everything I know, and I'm just constantly studying what God is doing in these last days, and, and I'm excited. I need to go read because I've been so busy this week. I'm going to go read and see what she had to say about it, but isn't that cool? It's called the Bethlehem Star. It was even acknowledged by NASA and all that stuff, so anyways, I just think that is so awesome. Amen? But anyways, when I was in Indonesia, um, we were doing this chapel, and this sweet young girl, it was a, it, this one was actually a Christian school, and they had chapel, and they had chapel band and all that kind of stuff. And this young girl, oh, she was just the sweetest girl. I think her name was Adrienne. I couldn't remember. I was asking some of my team if they could remember. But um, she just helped us right when we got there. I mean, we're getting, it's like traffic over there is insane. It's like two hours in the Elf. It's called, it's like a little big bus called an Elf. And so we sit in traffic for like two hours. So it's like hurry up and wait, like be in the lobby at this time. And then like hurry up and wait for like two more hours until you get to where you got to go. And so and then, then when we get there, it's like, unload, 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 get everything out, 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 quick. And then hurry up and wait until the chapel actually starts. It was just crazy, but super fun. And so this young girl just helped us load in all our stuff. She's like, I'm in charge of chapel band. I'm in charge of my youth group. I'm a, uh, I, I'm, she's like the cream of the crop, basically, for um, her youth group and her school. And she's just explaining who she is. And she's just so kind and so humble. And I was like, would you sing with us? Would you join us in worship? She's like, me? You want me to sing with you? I'm like, yes, we would love. We don't want to take your spot. We want you to, we're here to join together. So she was going to sing with us on stage, and she was helping us learn these songs, helping her band um, learn the songs that we were doing. It was just really a precious time. And so, man, I'm just thinking this girl is awesome. This girl is precious. She is just such a worshiper. And, like, when we were practicing, she's, like, bawling as we're practicing worship. Like, for, you know, for one, it's like they don't ever see Americans, so I'm sure that had something to do with it. But still, it's like she's like, these people, they're here to do worship at my school, like this is so amazing. So um, I, I end up preaching what I'm going to preach to you, what I'm going to teach you guys today. Um, and I, I preached that there. And the reason I'm going to preach it to you today, and um, the Lord put it on my heart for you guys today, is because I believe the same thing that this young girl was dealing with is the same thing that as a generation we're dealing with. It doesn't matter if it was in Indonesia or Fort Worth, Texas, or from wherever you're from. 
this is the heart cry of what's going on in our generation. And so um, I preach on, I minister on Philippians 3, chapter 3. I don't know if you guys know Philippians 3. It's like my favorite. I've said it since I entered into ministry. It's my favorite chapter of the whole book in the Bible. And I think I say that about a lot of them, but this one really is. And I have a secret confession of a ministering mama. You want to look at my Philippians 3? It's right here. See this? I know Jesse DePlanis says that if your Bible is torn apart, then your life isn't. And it's like, I could be real spiritual, like, yeah, look look how untorn apart my life is because my Bible is so torn apart. But really, this was my 19-month-old's job. Yeah, Grayson, he's not here right now. He, but he, um, I was reading my Bible one morning, and I ran to the restroom, and all of a sudden, I hear this cry of my five-and-a-half-year-old daughter. How many know Mesa? She's written running around here, my five-and-a-half. You'll see him sometime this week. But I hear her go, no, Grayson, not mommy's Bible. And I'm in the bathroom. I went, my heart just sunk. I went, oh. So I go, you know, running out there real quick. And here's Grayson holding my Philippians 3 <laughs> in his hand. And Mesa is distraught. I mean, she is bawling. And I just, that ministered to me so much because Mesa knows how important my Bible is to her mama. You know, like that was such a big deal to her. And I, I had to quickly just swallow really really quick and go it's okay it's just a thing mommy can get a new bible at least he picked my favorite chapter you know like I was just like trying to think of everything and she's like she I'm trying to calm her down she's like but mommy it's your bible he ripped your bible and so anyways we're going to be reading out of Philippians 3 today so don't mind don't mind my bible or if I skip around because I can't find a certain verse this whole section is missing that funny somehow it just went missing I'm not really sure where it went but anyways so I ministered off of this um this is before pre-rip my bible wasn't ripped when I went to Indonesia so um so I was ministering on this and I got off the stage and you know we've really in go ministries we've really been on this this kick this year um, I love Hillsong for writing this song, but I'm also a little bit jealous of them for writing this song, the song This Is Living. How many know that song, This Is Living? We're probably going to be doing that this week, but it's called This Is Living Now, and I'm like, that is our song. Like, thank you, Hillsong, for writing a song that, like, shows what Go believes in and how we live day to day, but I'm a little jealous because I wish I would have written that song because it is so word for word where we're at this year. Really living. Paul says it like this in the message, truly living, really living. And so my, my agenda uh, by the Holy Spirit this year has been to, to talk to young people about really living, not just fake living, not just getting through, not just saying you're a Christian, not just going to convention, but really living. And even in our own ministry with our staff and with our interns, it's been, it's been being authentic and being real and being vulnerable with the Lord. And being honest, one of my greatest um, friends in ministry, his name is Terrence, Pastor Terrence, he's a youth pastor up in Minneapolis, he always said 100% honesty equals 100% growth. And you know, sometimes we don't even know how to be honest with the Lord. Especially we don't know how to be honest with other people because we put up this front of who we think we need to be. But I love the growth part. I love the journey part. Dad has always taught us, my, our pastor, Pastor Steve Munns, that's my dad, he's always taught us to enjoy the journey. He asked you guys that question the other day, if you're, are you enjoying your journey? And I noticed that some of you guys didn't raise your hand. And man, my heart just cried out for you. Because we should be enjoying the journey. Do you know that sin happens in the journey? 
Do you know mistakes happen in the journey? You know shortcomings happen in the journey? It doesn't mean that you enjoy that part of it, but it's a part of your story. It's a part of being vulnerable and learning how to grow right. Let me say that again. It's learning how to grow right. It's not about just demanding perfection out of yourself or demanding goodness out of yourself. It's about understanding how Jesus set this up for us. He set it up so perfectly, but sometimes we grab a hold of Christianity by the horns for ourselves, and we're like, I got this. I don't need to smoke. I can't drink. I can't cuss. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And we think we got it. But all the while on the inside, we're not really living. A lot of people look at go or look at, we get this a lot, like, where, where did you learn this? How are you so happy and joyful all the time? We found the secret to living the same way Paul said, I found the secret to living. There's a secret to living. Did you know that in Christ? It's found in him. It's not found in rules and regulations. So I want to get into this. Um, uh, I want to read you a story. It's one of the, the saddest stories that um, I think in the Bible. It's in Matthew 19. If you've got your Bible, let's turn it to there. Look how I saved my page in Matthew 19. Can you guys see this? Another confession of a ministering mama. This is a picture that Mesa drew while we were preaching on stage. Isn't that so cute? Isn't that cute? And look at down here. I don't know if you can see this, but it's, it's a cough drop because we always have cough drops for us. <laughs> Ministry child 101 right there. She, like, knows how to set the stage. Isn't that so cute? All right, Matthew 19, verse 16. We're going to read this out of the Amplify. I love this because I think this, this is the heart cry. I'm going to get back to that story about Indonesia. This is the heart cry of what our generation is looking for. It says, and behold, there came a man up to him. Up to Jesus saying, teacher, what excellent and perfectly and essentially good deed must I do to possess eternal life? First of all, let's just start off right there. He said, what must I do? And I'm going to challenge you guys today. I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself, have you, been, have you been doing what you think is right for the Lord? And having your accountability with the Lord or with your Christianity based off of what you do. And if it is, if you can answer that honestly and say, yeah, yeah I, I base how good I am as a Christian or how good I'm doing in church or how good I, of, a, of a child I'm in my household I am being by what you do, I'm going to challenge you to get rid of that today. And I'm going to read it straight out of the scripture because Paul challenges us the same exact way. He says, it's not about what you do. But this young man, this is where he's at. I this is something I love about this kid. He was so, he was so vulnerable with Jesus. There was no pretense in him. He was, just, he was just, what do I do? He didn't know that Jesus was the, was the doing. He, he didn't know Jesus came to obliterate the doing. He didn't know that he was the answer. He was just being honest. What do I do? And that is such a works mentality, and we have got to get rid of that in order that we may truly live in Christ. He's under this, like, like Creflo said last night, I love that. He's under this lens of the work, of the law. Because that's all they had back then. That's all they had had until Jesus came. Do you know that? That's all they had. So they had this one lens, and it was the law. And so he's coming at Jesus that way. He's saying, what must I do to possess eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you ask me about this perfectly and essentially good? There is only one who is good, God. If you would enter into the life, oh, 
See, if he would have clued in right there, Jesus was giving him the answer. I love it. It's capitalized in my Bible, life. If you would enter into the life, and it goes on to say, you will follow my commandments. And sometimes we take that and we're like, okay, so in order to get the life, I must follow the commandments. No, it's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, when you enter into me, you will follow my commandments. And I'm going to explain why a little bit later when we get into this. But he was not saying, yeah, if you enter into me, you're going to have to keep commandments. Because that's what he was already doing. You're going to see here. That's what he was already doing. So that couldn't have been the answer. He was giving him a clue of a different lens. I'm going to use that. Thanks, Creflo. He was looking into a different lens. Jesus' lens was the perfection of himself and the sacrifice that he was going to make so that there would be no more doing. That people would not be judged according to what they do anymore. He had a different lens. And I just, it's so sad because I wish he could have seen that. I wish he could have said, oh, just like the disciples. You guys know when Jesus met all of his disciples, basically in my terms, he was like, hey, what you're doing, why don't, you, why don't you drop what you're doing and come and pick up and follow me? And the Bible says over and over with his disciples, they immediately dropped what they were doing and picked up and followed him. There must have been something about this guy. Come on, you guys got to be picturing the right Jesus here. I had a visitation with Jesus, and man, it, it settled every issue that I had ever had. I already knew that he was a good-looking man, but this visitation that I had with Jesus, he's the most amazing man of stature. He is the most beautiful thing I have ever laid eyes on. He's hip. He's cool. He's amazing. He's loving. He's everything that your best friend would be. But a lot of times we just think of him as this like lowly, straggly. I mean, like we know that he went to the cross, so he had to be kind of tough. But we just put him in this wrong category. I'm telling you that Jesus is so cool. Jesus is so hip. Jesus is relevant. Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is gorgeous. He is hot. You would never hear that anywhere else. He is. He is the perfection of mankind in every way, spirit, soul, and body. He's beautiful. And that's, I, I love that because I think that's why the, they were able to follow him so easily. Like, are you kidding? Look at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> look at this straggly group that I've been hanging out with. Look at this guy. Look at all these, look at all these strapping men following him, these young guys. Absolutely. I'll go with them. That's why I followed Go Ministries. It is. Go Ministries saved my life. I've been looking for a group of young people who were cool and hip and loved God with all their heart and wanted to serve God with all their heart. I just didn't know it exists. I went to that Christian school, and I didn't think that it exists. And when I saw Go, when Dad started Go, I was in rebellion. I was running, and he asked me to come to a service. I mean, I hadn't been to a service in forever. And I went, wait. Wait, since when has that been going on? You can be cool and love God and not have sin in your life? I want that. Sign me up. And I believe that's what those disciples did. What? Look at this guy. I mean, there was just something about this man that they were able to just leave their livelihoods and leave their families and pick up and follow him. And this rich young ruler had the same experience. I want you to begin to connect this today because you're having the same experience right now. This week, you're having the same experience. You have a choice to either pick up and follow him like his disciples did or be like this rich young ruler, which is the saddest, saddest story. Because there he was face to face with this 
this man of power, this man that was going to lead him into his eternity, that was going to lead him into all the questions that he had. And we'll, we'll see here what happens. But he said, I am the life. You must continually keep my commandments. Or if you read it in, in the uh, King James, it says, you will enter into the life keeping the commandments. See? You don't have to keep the commandments to be in his life. You don't have to keep the commandments to be a good Christian. You have to enter into him and you keep the commandments. Oh, come on, you guys. This is good news for somebody. This is revelation. This was revelation to me in my life. And I, I wrote right there, the Lord showed me that was obedience. Keeping his commandments is simply obedience right now. For us in this life, now that the law is fulfilled, obeying what he says is keeping his commandments. Amen. Love God, love people. That's his only commandments. So within that, all of obedience for our life are found in those two things. Isn't that awesome? Okay, verse 18. He said to him, what sort of commandments? See, he's still not getting it. Or which ones? And Jesus answered, you shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. See, Jesus is so smart. He knew what kind of lens that this guy was looking through. Jesus could have just, like, obliterated him and just given him, like, you know, you know what? What you're doing is not right. Do you get it? I'm right here. I'm right in front of your face. Do you see me? But he knew the lens that this guy was. He, he met him right where he was at. I love that about him. He saw that he was wanting to know what he could be doing, and Jesus met him because Jesus is about to flip this around on him and show him that that's not going to fulfill him. Do this. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. Verse 20. The young man said, and I believe this is the heart cry of our generation, I have observed all of these from my youth. What still do I lack? I'm going to ask you right now, I don't want you to raise your hands, but I'm going to ask you to get really vulnerable with the Lord. How many of you have been asking yourselves, what still do I lack? And if at first the enemy's trying to condemn you over that, you got you to answer, like Chip said, you got to answer that, that thought. Say, I don't have to be condemned over being honest. I do feel like I'm lacking in my relationship with the Lord. I do feel like I'm not, I'm not doing what it takes. I do feel that. And guess what? You're in good company because I'm about to read to you in Romans 7 where Paul says the very same thing. What do I lack? This man was saying, what do I still lack? And I just believe the Lord was like, I'm so glad you asked. Because he answers them with the truth. You know what he was looking for? A real living relationship. He may, he may not have been able to put that in, in, in his own terms, but that's what he was looking for. He was looking for a real living relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Jesus was able to answer him. Jesus answers saying, if you would be perfect, that is having the spiritual maturity which accompanies self-sacrificing character. Now I'm going to stop there because a lot of people go, if you would be perfect, oh, there it is. Got to be perfect. See, that's the thing that I just can't do. I try to be perfect. I just can't. I, how do, they, they stop right there. But if you read what, what the Amplified actually meant by perfect, Jesus was saying what perfection is to him is you, use, letting your character know that you don't have what it takes. So I've got to self-sacrifice myself and let him do the work in me. That's perfection. That is real perfection. But we've got to be vulnerable enough with the Lord to say, I don't have what it takes. I can't do it. Paul did it. we got to say exactly what Paul says in Romans 7. I don't have what it takes. 
But so many of us are building our relationship with God based on what we do for him. What still do I lack? How many of you are asking? You don't have to raise your hand right now. But what do I lack still? How many of you are feeling like you're still lacking in your relationship with God? There's not that true intimacy. There's not that true living. Thank you for your honesty. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you want to, come on, let's just be real in this place. What do I still lack? I've asked this question so many times. You know that I've been serving Jesus a long time since I came back to the Lord, and I've had these moments with him. What am I lacking right now? Where am I at with you, Lord? And I've got to get gut level honest and go, you know what, I've been building I've been building myself up on, on serving the ministry or doing this or, or reading my Bible. That's what's been making me feel holy. And because I haven't been reading my Bible for the last week now, well, I don't feel holy anymore. Do you see the disconnect there? God is not disconnecting from you. We're disconnecting from him. And it's based off of what we do or what we don't do. Because if, ba- if you're basing your relationship, a true living relationship, is just reading the Bible and praying, like this skit said, we're in trouble. Because I've got, I got two kids. I'm just telling you, man, I used to spend hours in the word. I mean, my whole single life after I came back to the Lord, hours. And then when Josh and I got married, hours. All I did was spend time in God's word. I, I tell the in, our interns all the time, I'm like, I, I wish I was where you were again. Like, enjoy this time when you are single and you have this time to seek God. Because I wish I could go back. After baby number one, I mean, it was, it was okay. You know, my word time just got, you know, I had to I had keep it up and keep it up. But after baby number two, that that skit that they just did where Randy, you know, she's like the, you know, falling asleep. That's baby number two b- devotional time for me. I'm just being honest. They wrote that skit after me. I call it rest reading. I tell them all the time. Like, I call it rest reading. I'm like, I'm going to go read my Bible, guys. Love you. I'm going to go to my bunk in the, in the bus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Shoot, little. Oh, whew, I feel good. They wrote that skit after me. I'm not joking. But if it, my relationship with God was based off of only reading my word and praying or whatever it is, going to church, lifting your hands, worshiping, whatever it is that you've put in that spot, then what happens when you don't? What happens when you don't? Oh, God just lifted his hand from you. Oh, man, God just lifted his power from you. Oh, man, God's grace is not on you anymore. Oh, man, his peace isn't on you anymore. What kind of God do we serve if he's removing his blessing from us because we didn't do what we were supposed to do? Oh, that's not the God we serve. His grace is always there. His peace is always upon us. He was, he was chastised so that we could have that peace. His very blood was spilled so that we could have those things freely, not based off of what we do, not based off of what we don't, but freely given to us through Jesus. So that's why we can't base our life off of those. And I'm going to get into this because I'm not saying don't read your word. And I'm not saying don't pray. And I'm not saying don't worship. And I'm not saying don't go to church. But if those things are what defined your Christianity or define your relationship with God, what happens when those things are gone? What happens if you have an off week or a busy mama week and you are just trying to keep your head above water with all the diapers and all the homeschooling and all the, what happens then? Oh, man, I'm so far from God. No. 
He sticks closer than a brother. He's right there. He never left me. I disconnected. I, not, not through not reading the Bible. I disconnected because of what's up here. What you've been learning this whole week. Oh, man, how powerful have the messages been, one on top of another about what's up here. Because I think that what defines my relationship with God is what I do for him instead of what he's done for me. So this perfection that Jesus is saying, it's not perfection in your walk. The perfection to him is having self-sacrificing character to say, you know what, you can have it all. And when I mess up, you can have it all again. And when I go back to that sin that I told you I wouldn't go back to, you can have it all again, again, and again, and again. That is the character and the vulnerability that God can work with. That's what Jesus, that, it, it's proven in his disciples. They were the most messed up, sinning, mistake-making group of guys that, out of the whole Bible. Do you guys know that? They kept messing up. And Jesus loved them. He loved them. He loved using their mistakes to teach and to grow them. He loved that vulnerability. They were so honest with Jesus. They couldn't hide anything. The only one who hid anything was, was Judas, but he wasn't a real disciple. The rest of them, they didn't hide anything. Their sin was out right in front of Jesus. I am, I, I am who I am in front of you. And guess what? They weren't afraid of correction. They weren't afraid of his instruction. They weren't afraid of, of a direction because he loved them. Because he loved him so much. And sometimes we're just so afraid of making a mistake or being wrong or not getting it right or not spending enough time in our word. What is enough time? Has anybody ever asked yourself that? So if there is a line of what's enough time, what is it and who sets that? Right? Come on, you guys. These are rules and regulations that our mind has set up to give us some form of godliness. But it's not a real, true, living relationship with Jesus. If we would have self-sacrificing character, go and sell what you have or basically give it up for him. To this man, that meant a lot to go and sell because he was a rich, young ruler. He had everything he needed. He had a lot of money. This guy was loaded. So to him, go and sell everything is a big deal. He may be just asking you to put down secular music. He may be just asking you to quit hanging out with those friends. He may be asking you just to go to church. He may be asking you just to do, it may be something different for you. It's not like we have to read this and go, oh, I got to go sell everything. You know, a lot of people like Creflo was saying last night, oh, man, and I, to be a Christian, I got to be poor. Because remember the rich young ruler? I got to sell everything. I, I got to be poor. I got to sell everything and give it to him. And we start freaking out with those kind of verbiages, like sell everything and give everything. What? God's just asking you to give what is in your life that he needs in order to grow you. And it's different for everybody. So let's read through the lines here that this guy, this is what he needed. Go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have riches in heaven. And come, this is the most important part, and come. This is the most important part. It's not about what he gave. This next part is the most important part, and come. See, Jesus knew that he couldn't come with all his riches. Jesus knew he, you can't come with all that, that carnality. Jesus, not that you can't come to him, but you can't come and do what he wants you to do. You can't, with all that baggage. Come and be my disciple. See, all that stuff was going to get worked out along the way in being a disciple of Jesus. But this rich young ruler, the saddest part comes in the next verse. But when the young man had heard this, he went away grieved and in much distress, for he had great possessions. 
How many of us have been hanging on to things that have been holding us down and the Lord has been telling us to get rid of them, but man, we have just thought that this is, this is living. This is, if I let go of this, I'm not really truly living, but at the same time, your heart has been desiring a real, true, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it could be the very thing that defines you being set free to be his disciple, to be the disciple that he's called you, to go and follow him and do what he's called you to do. Opening doors in your life, I'm telling you, when you let go of these things, open doors come to you. Some of you have been figuring out what you're going to do after high school. What am I going to do? I just don't have any clarity. I just am so confused. I just don't know. There's door number one, door number two, door number three. If that's you, I, I encourage you to go talk to Josh Bradall, my husband. I got a new husband. Did you guys know that? Got a new husband, Josh Bradall? Yeah. Anyways, go talk to him because he, te- he teaches a message that says God doesn't have more than one door. He's the very one who said, I am the door. There's one door. You don't have to go college number one, college number two, go ministries, the Air Force. The There's not multiple doors. There's one. There's one plan for you. And some of you have been holding on to this thing that the Lord has been wanting you to let go of, just like the rich young ruler. But because it's been a great possession of yours, it's been a comfort blanket to you, or it's been something that you have not been able to be set free from by yourself, you haven't been able to let it go. But I'm telling you right here in this place, by the Spirit of God, if you would let that go, you're going to get some clarity in what you're called to do and the direction and the destiny of your life. You're going to get some direction. And those things that have been so gray area in your life and those things that have been mucky because you're not sure which way you're supposed to go, those things will be clarified to you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, so I want you to turn with me to Philippians 3. I'm going to read out the message, thankfully, because, well, you know what my Philippians 3 looks like. What did this rich young ruler ask? What do I lack still? Or what am I still lacking? I want to read you this out of Romans 7. Paul The great apostle, oh my goodness, we all think Paul was so spiritual. He was and is also said these things in the message starting in verse 17. But I need something more for if I know the law but still can't keep it and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decision, my decisions such as they are, don't result in action. This is exactly what Josh was talking about the other day. Knowledge, understanding is not enough. Because if the actions, like Paul is saying, your actions don't result in what you know, then we're missing something exactly what Paul is saying. There's something missing. He said, something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. You know, Josh was telling you guys that story a little bit about me liking the smell of cigarettes, and I asked him when I first came back to the Lord, when is that ever going to go away? He didn't tell you the other part of that service, or that that story, which is really a desperate story, and I'm just going to tell it really quick for sake of time. But I found myself right in here. I had been at a Go Ministry service, and that's the same service. I was like, what? You can be cool. You can love God. Oh, my goodness, sign me up. This is what I want. And I had been smoking cigarettes for eight years, and so I went to my car that night. I was on my face with the Lord and had just this on top of the mountain experience. And I got in my car. I had a convertible. I put that convertible down. I chucked those cigarettes as far out of the window that I could. I was, like, set free. I was so excited. I was, like, a mile down the road, and the thought came, man, I really want a cigarette. 
I turned that little that little convertible around in the middle of the night, went down the street. I was in the ditch looking for, you can just picture this. I'm like in the ditch looking for a pack of cigarettes. How desperate can you get? Can you just picture this? I could have just gone and bought a pack. I don't know what I was thinking. I could have just gone and bought another pack. But that's exactly what Paul is saying. I want to do it. I want to do it. I'm, I'm free. But then my very best intentions, something went with, within me went wrong. And I went right back to the very thing that I said I was set free from. How many have been here? Come on. How many have been here? And that is a frustrating place to be in your walk with the Lord. But it gets gets better. It doesn't end there. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one? This is Paul speaking. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Man, he's getting right on our level. I love him for it. The answer, thank God. Okay, is it a 10-step program? You first must do this. And then you must do this, and then you must go to Southwest Believers Convention, and then you must sit on the very front row, and you must lift your hands exactly like this, right when that part of the song gets really big, and then during that worship part, you must get down on your knees, and it's not, a, it's not this whole list of things that you've got to do, and this, this is what is so freeing to me. When I read this, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. What? Not you. Not you throwing the cigarettes out the window. Not you doing it. Not you taking care of your sin. That Jesus Christ can and does. It's the same answer that's always been for the last 2,000 years, that Jesus did it. All we need is Jesus. It's just Jesus. Jesus is still the answer. But we, we muck it up with all these, you know, rules and regulations, and we think we got to walk this way. Listen, you will, I wrote this down, the Lord, the Lord was speaking through me, so I want to say it exactly how he said it. You don't have enough good things going for you to actually be a good Christian. You don't have enough good things going for you. So that just set whoever is free in here, that's the pastor's kid who's had to keep the rules and has to do the exact same thing you know, every single day and make sure that you're in the limelight. Listen, I was a pastor's kid too. I know exactly what that's like. That just sets somebody free in here. You can't do enough to be a good Christian. The good thing is, is that Jesus is. And Jesus can, and Jesus does. He acted to set things right in the life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is an operation. The spirit of, say it with me, is it up there? Life in Christ. Oh, come on. You guys didn't even say it with me. I think my intern said it with me. Come on. Let's say this together. A new power is an operation. The spirit of life in Christ. Oh, I love that. It goes on to say like a strong wind. It's just telling us that there's a different life. Isn't that the same answer Jesus gave the rich young ruler? If you would enter into what? The life. 
What is that life? It's Jesus. It's Jesus style. I say it all the time. I love living life Jesus style. Our ministry is bent on teaching a generation how to live life Jesus style every day. It is the best life. Jesus is still the answer for sin. He's still the answer for temptation. He's still the answer for lack. He's still the answer for confusion. He's still the answer for every single thing that you could be going through. But you, it's time that this generation puts aside all that you think you've done to earn it. And as I close, I want to tell this story real quick. Uh, I want to finish this story with this girl in Indonesia. I got done preaching. I'm going to read Philippians 3.10 in Jesus' name. I'm going to get there. Okay, so I'm going to turn there and just get it ready. I got done reading Philippians 3, and she came up to me after bawling. Miss Lacey, Miss Lacey. I love their accents. I'm not very good at accents, but if I, that's kind of what it sounded like. Miss Lacey, Miss Lacey. You must tell me more about this. What, sweetheart? What, tell you more about, about life in Christ? No, 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 that's not. It's about not what I do, but it's about what he's done. I've never heard that before. I said, you've never heard that before? I put my hand on her shoulder, and I just began to feel what she was feeling. She said, I said, this is a girl who's in charge of her youth group, who goes to Southwest, Southwest Believers Convention every year who helps lead worship at their youth group, who reads their Bible every day. This is that girl. She said, I have never felt a connection with God. This is that girl. This could be you. You've been serving Jesus. You've had him in your heart all this time, but never felt a real, true, living relationship with Jesus Christ. I began to weep. Here is this girl who has served God faithfully her whole life. She might as well be Muslim. Because that's what they do. They serve a God that they never felt connected with. They never will feel a connection with. Do you know what I'm saying? She had served God and had Jesus in her heart all this time, but never connected to a true living relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the saddest story. It's the same story that happened to the rich young ruler. It's the same it's sad story that's happened in our generation. So many of us have been saved. So many of us have been going to church. So many of us have been going through the, the, the you know, religion tra uh, train, just doing whatever we do, but never really connecting to a true relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the saddest story. But it ends today if that's you. Because the Holy Spirit is here to rearrange those priorities in you, just like he, he does what, did to Paul right here. When he, we're going to read this as we close. Um, Jameson, would you mind getting up there so we can get, sing that song in just a minute? In Philippians 3, verse 7, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. Oh, come on. That's got to be your attitude today. Everything I've taken credit for that I've done on my own, I'm throwing it in the trash. This is Paul talking. And why? Say it with me. Because of Christ. Come on. It's the same answer. It's the same answer every time. Say it with me. Because of Christ. Yes, all of these things I want, that once were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the things I once thought were so, oh, sorry, compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Oh, firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. Oh, I love that. He's saying it's poop. It's dog poop. That's what your works and your doing is to God. Whoa, that's setting us free in here, or it should be. 
That should set us free that it's not about what we do for him. I've dumped it all in the trash so that, so that, say so that. I've got to dump it all in the trash so that I can embrace Christ. Oh, come on. That's the same answer he gave to the rich young ruler. You've got to dump that in the trash. You've got to sell all that you have so that you can come, so that you can be my disciple. He's saying the same thing today, so that you can embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness. Oh, come on. This is our generation's cry right here. I don't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally. Experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. This is the way to truly living in Christ, that he may embrace us and we may embrace him. And I teach our interns this. I teach our staff this. This is the very life that I live. I teach my children this. There is nothing, no nothing you can ever do for him without understanding how much he loves you. Without understanding that in, according to 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love him, Why? We love him or we do for him. Why? Because he first loved us. That is the priority of the kingdom. That is the priority of covenant with Jesus Christ. That is the priority and understanding of learning to trust God. Because he first loved me, I can now read my Bible. I want to read my Bible. Not because it's what I need to do, but it's because I love him. Oh, I love him so much I want to know more about him. I've embraced him. He's embraced me, and I want to see how that relationship works. You hear, flee youthful lust. Oh, so teenagers are like, okay, I just got to flee youthful lust. I just gotta, but it's so hard. I just got to flee youthful lust. Why? Because he first loved you. I don't want that to be a part of my life because I love him so much because he first loved me. It is so simple. The gospel is so simple. Living for Jesus is so simple. And it starts with this relationship of knowing how much you're loved and in return how much you love him. It's not like, oh, he loves me, so I got to love him. It just happens. When you get a revelation of how much you love, it just happens. I'm telling you, it just happens. And the Lord has so many pockets of opportunity for you guys this week for you to fall in love with Jesus again. My dad always says it like this. He says, we need to get back to our first love. We need to get back to our first love. And it's not living for Jesus. It's loving Jesus. It's not doing for Jesus. It's loving what he's done for you. It's getting back to our first love. And if that's you today, as we close, we're going to sing this song. They taught me this in Indonesia, and I just love this song so much if you've heard it singing along. But they taught me this song in Indonesia called Falling in Love with Jesus. And I believe that I heard this, this for this week when the Lord put this on my heart to, to share with you. He said, my generation just needs to fall in love with me again. I just need to fall in love with me again. And if you have felt far from him or you have felt like your works have been standing in the way of a true living relationship with God or maybe your sin has been standing in the way of living this true relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to stand to your feet right now. 
We're going to worship together. We're going to let those things fall in the trash. We're going to throw those things in the trash, and we're going to, so that, so that we can embrace Christ, and he can embrace us. And I believe there's freedom for you. I believe there's clarity for you. I believe you're getting set free right now in this room of that mentality. And truly living is on the other side. I said truly living. You're like, what does that mean, Lacey? You're about to find out. You're about to find out. Truly living with Jesus. Just lift your hands if you're standing up right now.